get me. From Studio A in Arcata, behind the Redwood Curtain, it's time for... Suckatash. Suckatash Clips, the original comedy soundcast featuring snippets from comedy... Soundcasts. And here's your host from up the coast, practically unknown outside of comedy soundcasting, comedy soundcast soundcaster, Tyson Sainer. Yep, Tyson Sainer here with warm greetings and a friendly saluton to you, Soundcast lovers, listeners, people who are just curious about soundcasting, and people who are listening by accident. I don't know, maybe you walked into a room where someone is listening to us and you were grazed by Soundcast Ear Shrapnel. Who am I to say how you should be finding us? No one, not true. Except I will say that if you do like comedy, soundcasts, and comedy soundcasts, you could take advantage of an extremely useful app called Laughable. It's an app that specializes in comedy soundcasts and soundcasts by comedians. Now, they've also recently expanded their content parameters and do not limit themselves to only comedy soundcast content. I personally appreciate that, as it is an ongoing goal I have to provide both types of content for Succotash, the comedy soundcast soundcast. And when you know it, I do happen to have a more or less fresh batch of clippage for your oral consumption or your hungry, hungry ear holes. We've got clips from Local to Nowhere, featuring a guest appearance from our esteemed executive producer, Mark Hershon. I Shake My Head with Lisa and Sam. Swipe Left, Swipe Left. The Ralph Report. Ari Shafir's Skeptic Tank. And Tom Rhodes Radio's Smart Camp. We've also got a classic Henderson's Pants ad, and a double dose of Raging Moderate Will Durst's Burst of Durst segment. So, let's get going. And leading the pack at number one is Local to Nowhere by Board Gord Productions. Their own description of the soundcast is a comedy podcast drawing on local news headlines to create narrative improv scenes. No City is Safe, hosted by Katie Lassiter and Ryan Fleming. This clip is from episode four called Alaska from March 18th, 2018, with special guest our very own executive producer, Mark Hershon, who has graciously sent along a thorough description of what you can expect from the soundcast. Produced in New Jersey, Local to Nowhere is, according to the show's home site, Quote, an improvisational comedy podcast. We take local news headlines from a different state each episode and create short narrative scenes with our actor friends. Unquote. Hosted by a pair of actors, Katie Lassiter and Ryan Fleming. They select a state each episode and read three odd, bizarre, or just plain weird news stories from that locale. They're also joined by one or more guests each installment. After sharing the news stories and then interviewing them, the guest is invited to choose one of the headlines and then the assembled cast performs an improvisational scene, using the story as a springboard into some audio lunacy. And as you can tell by the name on the episode, the locale chosen was Alaska, and the scene involved a story about a boy on the outskirts of Anchorage who had a bear smashed through the window of his bedroom. There's a link to this article below. Yeah. All right, Mark. So what do you want to do in Alaska? Which of these headlines interest you? Let's see. We've got the, uh, let's, uh, let's go with the bear in the bedroom. Bear in the bedroom. Okay. Can't go wrong. So we're going to take a trip to South Anchorage. Mom, dad, there's a bear in my room, a broken window, a dark figure beside the bed. Take us there. Mommy, do you hear that? Hear what? It sounds like, I don't know, like a little cannon. I don't know. I, I'm afraid to come out of the blankets. Can you okay. come into my room? Uh, I mean, I, I like to just stand outside the door and, and listen. But if you insist, I'll come in. You're model calling the boy. You're giving him too much. Just let him figure it out for himself. It's probably just one of his imaginary monsters under the bed. Oh. They weren't imaginary. You just couldn't see them. See, I mean, he might have second sight, Phil. We've talked about this. Second sight. Look, right. if you would just pick one lucky lottery ticket for me, I'd believe in this second sight of yours. Well, I don't really like going to that corner store that sells the lottery tickets. It just makes me feel uncomfortable to see all those fish with the eyes still in the head staring at me. I like to go and play with the varnished moose droppings there. Oh, yeah, you do like to do that, don't you? They're antiques. Oh, oh gosh. Next time you're down, remember to pick me up a gallon of those things. Oh, God, this family. Ugh, I don't know. (sighs) Oh, God, it it happened again. Did you hear it? All right, Phil, I'm going in. I'm going in. Oh? What do you see? Oh, my God. How do you not see that? I'm under the blankets. I don't want to look. Um, you, don't look. Don't look. It's all right. It's all right. Phil, you're going to have to get in here. 
All right, here I come. I'm going to grab my shotgun. Yeah, that's a good idea, because I don't really know how else to deal with the fact that there's a fucking bear in his room. What? Uh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, sweetie. I said there's a, uh, uh, a freaking bird. It's a bird. It's okay. a very large bird. All right, well, the- All right. careful, boy. Careful, boy. That Oh, that's Larry, my buddy oh. from the bar. That's Larry. Yeah, oh. Hey, Phil. What's up? It's the Bear Festival. He's supposed to come in the door, Larry. Jeez. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I just I saw the window and I figured, Bear Festival? Scare oh, the heck he... out of my fake son. Hey, I'm not fake. He's a real boy, Phil. We've talked about just this. Just like the monsters under my bed. If he's not going to acknowledge me as his dad, then he's my fake son. I guess that's fair enough. Seems reasonable to me. Yeah. How you doing, Larry? Uh, not great. I, uh kind of gashed myself real good in the uh, window there. Oh my god, that is horrifying. Yeah, a lot, lot of blood. Oh my god. I can see the bear suit soaking up most of it, though. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's good. good, that's good. Rent, you know? <laughs> we're going to need to plug that up with a little bit more, though. Uh, hey, sweetie, uh, uh, Kyle, we're going to need to take one of your blankets away from you. I'm so sorry, but this guy is just bleeding out. Okay, take the moose one. I don't think you're supposed to have moose blankets. I feel like it's against the law. Well, is it okay if we mix the moose hair with the bear costume? Isn't that kind of like against some kind of Alaskan religion or something? Probably, but I won't tell if you won't. All right, my lips are sealed then because this cut needs to be covered. Oh my god! It's let so me disgusting. turn on. Let me turn on the palm tree so we get a little more light in here. Oh, thank you. It's it's buzzing and it's full of life. Actually, why is it? It's moving a little bit. Does it always do that? No, uh, it always does that. Oh my god, that's a pigeon. Yeah. What, are there even pigeons in Alaska? How do they survive the cold? They stay in the palm tree. Well, oh my god. Well, that one just flew right out the window. That was Derek. They have names. Well, Derek has a name. None of the other ones have names? They haven't earned them. Local to Nowhere drops every Monday and can be heard on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, and many other distribution points scattered across the globe. You can also get it and more information on their hosts at their home site, http colon forward slash forward slash localtonowhere.com. That's L-O-C-A-L-T-O-N-O-W-H-E-R-E.com, where you can even make contact with them if you're interested in being a guest on the show yourself. Hmm. The show's Twitter account is at localtonowhere, where the hosts tweet individually as well. And the hosts are at superskeptic, that is S-U-P-E-R-S-K-E-P-T-I-K, and at Kate E. Lassiter, which is K, the numeral 8, E-L-A-S-S-I-T-E-R. Coming in second on our countdown tonight. Our second Soundcast clip offering tonight is from a show called I Shake My Head with Lisa and Sam. Now, this show has been on iTunes since April 5th of 2017, and the description reads, In need of your weekly chuckle, listen to I Shake My Head with Lisa and Sam. We are two 47-year-old friends who podcast from the car because that's where we have our best conversations. Let our humor be the least stressful part of your day. Now, this clip is from an episode called Yep, We Are Creeping Your Fridge. It was released March 9th, 2018, and the description of the episode is Lisa and Sam enjoyed the, quote, what's in your fridge, unquote, pictures, and they reveal other podcasters' fridge personalities. The ladies chat about Sam's need for a longer vacation, Lisa's experience with a loud sniffer and wide dressing in the dark is hazardous to your health. Here's an excerpt from their discussion of those aforementioned what's in your fridge pictures. If we were to go to the pictures that were sent to us, and by the way, guys, thanks for sending pictures. Thanks for sending us some pictures. I was like, I couldn't believe it. You were sending me pictures. I'm like, oh my God, people have to send people pictures. Send pictures. So here's the funny thing, right? So we asked some people what's in their fridge. And that was really cool. That was really cool. And people told us what was in their fridge and they took a picture yeah. and it was kind of funny. It was super cool. And we looked at the fridge and we've analyzed it. One of us has analyzed <laughs> it a little more than the other. Fine, you start that. No, I'm just saying. Don't be a bag. Okay, and also, it was fun. also, we couldn't, as good Canadians that we are, we found it very hard to pick just one. Because uh, we think everyone's a winner. We think everyone's a winner. <laughs> right? Did you know you were being judged on winning, whether you won or lost? Exactly. In our hearts, you're all winners. Right? We're just happy you turned out to play. Uh, yeah. Right? And right. there was nine of you. Yeah. It was really fun. That's like super cool. It was good. It was a good time. Okay. Who do you want to start with? Just, you just, just, you tell me. Okay. Let's start with Hyper Hype Girl. Hyper Hype Girl. Okay. It was a sad, sad picture you sent me. And it's kind of what got us thinking, <laughs> right? 
because she sent a picture of her fridge and she texted it and said, we're having mustard soup for supper. And I'm like, oh my God, that's hilarious. Because there was nothing in her fridge. No, no. Condiments only. Condiments only. Yeah. But I did... And she's I, somebody's mom. Yeah, she is. She's a mom. She's a mom. Right? She's so a she's mom. she's responsible for other people's yeah. well-being. I think right now there's just one other people at home other than her husband. But she's a mom. But and she's, she's a, a wife. Right? And she's a wife. Feed your people. <laughs> Feed your people. So, I did spy sausages and processed cheese. So, ah. she could have done mustard soup with some sausage and processed and cheese. And cut up little chunks of cheese. Yeah. She could have thrown it all in. Right? Okay. But hers... Is a neglectful fridge. It's neglectful. It that is not day. a parental fridge. It is not a convenience chaser fridge. But do you want to know what's funny? Is I think that we secretly kind of shamed her without her even knowing. Because then she went to Costco that day and bought $700 worth of groceries. <laughs> so I don't know where that fits in. That's just... And then that's like the crazy fridge. Oh my God. Yeah. $700. $700. I don't even know what that looks like. No, for groceries. The most I've ever spent, I'm pretty sure, is like 120 bucks on groceries. Yeah. Because that's, and that's like, whoa, what have I just done? It's crazy, but fun. How much fun would I have spending $700 on groceries? I will take every salad dressing, Alex, for 200 Right? Oh, my God. How many Diane sauces can I get? That's right. And they come in different flavors, too? Oh, I'd be so excited, hey? Oh, my God. would be so awesome. What about her cousins? Her cousins send in pictures. Stacy and Krista. Okay. Pretty... Those are Clean like looking. those are some hoity-toity looking fridges. Hoity-toity fridges. Yeah. Very professional looking. Absolutely. And I feel like Krista, cousin Krista. Yeah. Like Michelle, likes a good sausage. I saw it in I saw it in there too. And I'm like, look at you, good girl. See, must be a family thing. <laughs> <laughs> liking a sausage. Yes, liking a sausage. <laughs> so I feel in my fridge profile yes. that I just told you yeah. about. And now, where does Stacy fit? Well, I think Stacy and Krista both. Okay. Organized optimizer slash healthy nuts. Yes. Because they had like good food. They had like fruit and right. vegetables and stuff like that. So I feel like both of those ladies are very good with their fridges. Very good they with their be fridges. They should very proud. Very proud of your fridges. Be proud of your fridge. Right? Okay. As if you care what we think. <laughs> you don't even know who we are. Right? Right? We're those idiots. So apparently one works with cousin Michelle. Right? And the other is just her friend. They have a podcast. They think they're funny. They just talk. They just talk. Right? Okay, but you know what? Odd dad out. Yes. Adam. Adam. Adam's fridge. I really appreciated Adam's fridge. Why? I just, I, because it just, it made me feel like warm and friendly. Because it had milk and apple juice? I think so. I think he won you over with the apple juice. I just really thought it was good. What did you think about his fridge? It was a good one. It was a good I fridge. I felt that he was a good provider. Yeah. Because we know that he's a dad. He's a dad. So he has a great parental fridge. Yeah. You know what? It's funny, right? When he sent the picture, then he sent along this little quote too. Or like, not a really a quote, but his, this is what he said to his picture. He's like, I was shaking my head at what my fridge looks like. Then I took the picture and I was like, hey, that's not horrible. We have more fruit and milk than I realized. <laughs> like... Brilliant, my friends. Right? I'm like, that's that is see, look at how we did teach him something. We did. We taught him to cut you you cut yourself some slack and you have a damn fine fridge. You have a good fridge there, Adam. He realized that he wasn't trying to Right that he was like a he's a good parental guy. Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't like not feeding his children no, properly, right? which is nice. Exactly. That's good. Yeah. If you love what you hear, you can support the podcast by following the links below. They have a Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash I shake my head, I-S-H-A-K-E-M-Y-H-E-A-D. They also have a Podbean patron. This is something I have not heard of before. H-T-T-P-S colon forward slash forward slash and it is patron, P-A-T-R-O-N dot Podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com and then forward slash I-S-M-H-E-A-D. And of course you can reach out to them on Twitter at I underscore S-H-A-K-E-M-Y-H-E-A-D. Well, it's almost time for our first burst of durst for the episode, but first, let me give out the Succotash hotline info. So, the number is, and this is a non-toll-free number, 818-921-7212. Yes, that's 818-921-7212, where you can leave a message for us. So, as I look around, I s- Oh, I've got a message on the Succotash hotline. Okay, let's play that. Let's see here. Hi, Channel Madeline. All righty then. Well, 
Anyway, that number again is 818-921-7212. And if you've got something to say, why not send it in there? What do you got to lose? And by the way, if you are a Soundcaster and would like to submit your clip directly to us, you can upload your Soundcast clip directly to http colon forward slash forward slash www.hightail.com forward slash you forward slash succotash. All right, here's our first burst o durst for the show. This is from March 15th, oh, the Ides of March 2018, and it's called Many Madnesses, in which our intrepid correspondent doesn't get mad, he gets angry. Roll clip. Hey guys, Will Durst here with a few choice words about March Madness. Normally, it's a phrase associated with the wacky, zany antics surrounding the NCAA college basketball tournament. But this year, it doubles as a description of the equally nutty, loony goings-on around the White House. The month of March proverbially comes in like a lion and goes out like a lamb. But this big cat seems to have settled in and might require an extra-large litter box. In just the first two weeks, Donald Trump has demonstrated all the dignity and grace of a drunken mountain lion with irritable bowel syndrome. He stunned his own staff by announcing a surprise summit with former arch-nemesis Kim Jong-un. Wouldn't be surprised to hear him refer to it as the Short Fat Summit. During a futile campaign rally, he called African-American Congresswoman Maxine Waters a low-IQ individual and MSNBC anchor Chuck Todd, a sleepy son of a bitch, putting him in the lead for a repeat win as lout of the year. Then he mocked the Canadian Prime Minister by bragging he had made stuff up at one of their meetings, making one think that the next meeting might be a little less cordial. At least five staffers were asked to leave the Oval Office, and he fired his Secretary of State in a tweet and is preparing to get rid of his second national security advisor. You may remember the first national security advisor pled guilty to lying to the FBI. And that might be part of the problem. It was revealed on the Ides of March that the special counsel subpoenaed documents relating to the Trump crime family's business interests in Russia. At two, Mueller... And the scariest part is we've gotten used to this sort of thing. Nobody's overly excited because we already survived January madness and February madness, and you wouldn't go wrong betting that April madness is poised to smack us upside the head next. (sighs) For Succotash, the comedy soundcast, Soundcast, I'm Will Durst. At least three of our soundcasts featured on this episode have Patreon accounts. You'll be hearing more about that later. Here's a clip from a show that was suggested to me by our executive producer, Mark Hershon, who sent along their information. It's a show called Swipe Left, Swipe Left, and here's a bit of description about them. Gavin is a mathematician by day, and Claire is an award-winning radio producer making programs for Radio 4, KCRW, RN Australia, and more. Our relationship predates dating apps, and after so many years together, we sought juicy stories from our single friends about life on the modern dating circuit, and this is what we found. A trove of true tales that are so varied, strange, and captivating. We wanted to share them with the world. Swipe Left, Swipe Left was born. We are independent as of yet, unfunded, but this has not gotten in the way of our high production values. That is absolutely true. They have fantastic production values. Now, I've listened to most of their episodes. The one I've chosen to clip is from their episode entitled Occupying My Mind. This clip is a little bit longer than normal. And it appears to give away the entire punchline to the story, but the truth is there's, there's, there's more before it and more after it that is 100% worth listening to. Also, every episode is uh, less than 20 minutes long, it seems, roughly. So it's uh, pocket-sized, which is kind of nice. Roll clip. The story starts around the days of when Occupy London was happening. We had gone to one of the demonstrations with a few friends, old and new. We met some people... And we ended up in a pub. All of us were swapping numbers because organizing for the next demonstration or whatever. It's a big circle of people. And I was sitting next to this girl who I found very uh, attractive. I think half Portuguese and half from Angola kind of like an arty person seemed like a very interesting person and I thought you know it's very attractive so I kind of had the conversation about what was happening in in Portugal at the time because he had lived in Portugal and we were talking about Greece you know the, the, the crisis in the two countries 
So it was quite promising, you know, there was common ground and I felt we could discuss it further. I, I think I used that as an excuse to say, you know, we should we can keep this conversation later on. A few days after that, we started communicating, started swapping uh, texts. I think we had been swapping two, three texts a day. There was a lot of kisses flying around, and there was like, started with one X and build up to two eventually. We would deconstruct uh, every single text of my roommate and kind of like endless hours going through, you know, classic flirting phase where you discuss these strategies with a friend, right, you know, like, this is what I got, you know, this one I'm thinking I'm sending, you know, this one I sent her, try and analyse, you know, my next move, trying not to be too, be too eager about it, but trying to push things nicely, trying to understand what she would mean and try to, yeah, to build it up. Because I'm very bad with like flirting, you know, openly. So it wouldn't be anything too explicit. I would always think it would be going beyond the how was your day. Oh, yeah, and it wasn't only the kisses that were matching, it was also the time, right? You know, you would just, like, send a text, get text back. You know, texts were coming in, and it was getting more and more exciting. It was, like, a, it was building up nicely. So I had been, I had been texting this girl for around... Just around maybe a month and a half. I remember I was trying to look for a, some kind of excuse to meet her again, you know, quite shy. So I was like, with all this political upheaval, there's a political project I was trying to set up. I want to talk to you about this. We should find the time. So I was talking about this with a friend, the friend who stayed with me, and another one were kind of like going through the text. He was like, yeah, you know, definitely. It's going well, you know, make a move, like ask her out. So I did eventually. So we arranged it all. I gave my friend two hour notice, you know, he was out of there. And I went down there like, you know, super confident. I was like, okay, this is, you know, something good really happening, you know. dressed smart, everything, went out of the door and get to the bar. It's like literally like a five-minute walk less. And as I get into the bar, I get a text from this girl saying, I'm really sorry, you know, you won't believe what happened. I fell down the stairs, I hit my back. This was literally like, you know, we maybe said we're going to meet at 9 p.m. and this was like five past nine. I was like, oh, what kind of crap is this? You know, so I called up my friend. He was already all the way out in Brighton. I was like, you know, sorry, dude, you know, false flag. You didn't, you didn't have to go down to Brighton. After all, you can come back if you want. And he was like, I can't believe it. Like, what kind of lame excuse is that? What, what kind of trick is she up to? You know, what is she playing at? Anyway, you know, let it cool off a little bit. And after a few days, you know, picked it up again. I was like, you know, maybe we can rearrange it. We started chatting a little bit and, you know, long story short, maybe a couple of weeks later we rescheduled. I was kind of semi-pissed off. I was like, oh, this is, you know, this is playing with me, but at least it's rearranging, so it's not quite cool. It's probably some kind of, like, game, but maybe it's not completely over, you know, let's, let's kind of, like, see what happens, you know. Same notice to the friend, you got your two hours, you get out of here, go back to Brighton. I walk into the bar, I start looking around, you know, I get a text from her saying I'm already here, I'm waiting. Excellent. So I go into the bar and I start like scouting, like looking around, scanning the room. As I do that, like, I see this guy who I had actually met on the same day at that Occupy protest. It's like, mid-50s, probably. And, and he was waving at me. Like, yeah, it's funny, like, a weird coincidence, you know. He 
comes up to me and he's like, oh, how are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. He starts chatting. I'm like, good, good. Yeah, good. Like, really nice to see you. But I was like, I'm really sorry. You know, I'm, you know, I'm here to see someone else. And he did kind of ignored that. And I keep, like, looking around. I remember, I keep looking around the room, you know, trying to find this girl. And he's talking to me and he's like, oh, I'm really sorry about the other day, you know, but, you know, I fell down the stairs and I had, like, this really terrible, terrible accident. <laughs> This is a point it dawns on Dimitri. He's been flirting with this old guy via text for months. All right, now you can see more stories on the website, which is www.swipeleftswipeleft.com. That is S-W-I-P-E-L-E-F-T, S-W-I-P-E-L-E-F-T.com. And thank you again, Mr. Hershon, for sending along that clip. Our fourth offering on this program is something called The Ralph Report. So this is a soundcast hosted by Ralph Garman. If you don't know anything about Ralph Garman, here's some good information about him on his Wikipedia page. Garman hosted the Joe Schmo Show, was an entertainment reporter and impressionist for the Kevin and Bean Morning Show on Los Angeles radio station K-Rock FM for 18 years. He was hired to work on the show through Jimmy Kimmel, at the time the sports reporter on the show who had received a recommendation to hire him through former roommate Adam Carolla. He also hosts the Hollywood Babylon podcast with Kevin Smith on Snodcast.com, where he utilizes various impressions in a series of ongoing segments that deliver news and satire centered around Hollywood, celebrities, and pop culture. Now, this is how Mr. Garman came into my sphere of awareness, as I was an avid listener of the many soundcasts under the banner of Kevin Smith's Smodcast Internet radio station. Garman's last Kevin and Bean show was suddenly announced on November 30th of 2017, and on January 22nd, 2018, the Ralph Report had its premiere episode. Now, the show is a concept it's described thusly. The Ralph Report with Ralph Garman is a daily show featuring news, pop cultures, and current events as filtered through the twisted mind of its host. The show features comedy segments, celebrity interviews, and TV and film reviews, along with Ralph's take on what's happening in the world. The clips I'm going to play for you has a description that reads as follows. It's the first episode of The Ralph Report. Let's talk NFL, Donald Trump, and a SAG Awards. With special guest, Jimmy Kimmel. I couldn't have put it better myself. All right, let's get to one of my favorite segments of today's show, which is my sit-down interview with my buddy Jimmy Kimmel. He is uh, my first celebrity guest here on The Ralph Report, and I couldn't think of a better guy to have as my first guest. You folks, by the way, were terrific. I put the call out to the uh, four-star generals out there in the Garmy and asked them to submit questions for Jimmy. I thought it might be a fun way to uh, thank the four-star generals for their support and let them ask questions of Jimmy. And I thought I'd get one or two questions that would be interesting or usable, but it turns out they were all terrific. So I decided this is how I'll do the celebrity interviews. I will ask for questions from the four-star generals, and then uh, you guys can interview these folks through me. So all week long, I will be playing highlights of my interview with Jimmy. And then at the end of the week, as bonus audio content, I will be releasing the entire hour-long sit-down, and it was terrific. In today's segment, Jimmy and I had a chance to talk about fatherhood, and that's what you'll hear here, which is great because a lot of guys don't aren't comfortable having that conversation, but we did just that. So here is the first of the highlights that we'll be playing all week of my interview with my good buddy, Jimmy Kimmel. It's a great honor to have as my very first guest on the Ralph Report Jimmy Kimmel, after all these years. It is a great honor to be the first guest. You're right. It is, Jimmy. This yeah. is like when Bill Murray was on Letterman's show. Yep. Or um, Bill Murray was on Craig Kilborn's show. <laughs> and we'll see how it goes. Who was <laughs> your first guest on your show for this George one? Clooney. Clooney? Actually, Snoop Dogg was the first celebrity on the show. He was my co-host that week. Right. And then George Clooney was technically the first guest. Well, we've been friends for a long time, Jim. Yes. And... I uh, I reached out to my listeners, you know, people already signing up for the show before we even got started. And I said to them, submit one question you'd like to ask Jimmy Kimmel, because I figured I might run out. You know, when you know somebody pretty well, sometimes you don't know exactly what to it's ask It's much them. harder to ask questions of people you know well. Much. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought I'd get a couple. And it turns out I got a shit ton of really good questions. So I'm just going to use their questions 
as okay. jumping off points instead of my own. Okay. As part of my uh, lifelong goal in getting other people to do my work for me, I'm going to have them uh, ask the questions. Isn't right? that interesting, though, that it, why – and I'm not sure why it's the case. It's so much harder. To... I was thinking this week. It's like, what can I ask him? And I was like, I don't know, really. It's because I think it's because you're faking, uh, <laughs> pretending you don't know things that I you do so. know. Or it's like something. acting. It's very strange. Yeah. And it feels awkward sometimes to ask somebody a question that I would ask a stranger that I would feel awkward asking you because yeah. you're a friend. It would be almost rude to ask, but I, would, I wouldn't mind asking I think you found a beautiful know. solution. All right. Well, here we go. Um, first of all, this is mine and everyone else's. I got a ton of these. Just how is Billy? Let's get, over, let's get that out. Of, um, you're talking about Joel? Billy Joel? No, no. It would he's be your terrific. son. Your Have you seen him son, perform? Your son, Unbelievable. Uh, he's doing great. Everyone is asking great. about him, yes. In fact, last night, we're trying to sleep train him, but I'm not helping oh. Because, because you're a big softy? Yeah, I'll just get up and I just like, I told Molly she was in bed. It was like midnight. He was crying. I got up. I gave him a bottle. And I, I was sitting at the kitchen table debating whether or not to tell her. And I said, <laughs> I gave Billy a bottle last night. She's like, what? Said, She's like, we're trying to sleep train him. I was like, I know, but I, he was crying, so I gave him a bottle. I had to send my wife out of the house. I had to put her up in a hotel for two nights she while couldn't. I sleep trained the kid because she couldn't bear it. She could not resist going in there and taking care of the kid. Wow. Yeah, so like I had having to be the a, bad guy. It's like having a kid, uh, kidnappy or something. Yes. <laughs> I wanted her to be an accomplice. So uh, Heath from Brisbane, Australia, wrote in. Uh, wow. Asking about Billy. And he said, I'd love you to ask Jimmy if there are any life hacks or tips to being the best father to an infant child you can possibly be. I'm 33 years old in March. I'm going to be a dad for the first time. It seems men don't often talk about this sort of thing. Thanks, Heath in Brisbane. So any uh, any tips? Well, one is don't feed them in the middle of the night when your wife tells you not to. Sleep training is important. Sleep training is important. I think just being affectionate with the children is important. And I think that sometimes men kind of stand back and they aren't affectionate in the same way that women are. Well, that's our that's our father's generation. You know? yeah. I think we're better now at it. I think so, than, for sure. But some guys, were. though, I know guys who are kind of like, you know, like they don't change a diaper. Or they're not really like you know. It's mostly just baseball and wrestling. And uh, right. I think you have to go beyond that. All right. This is our second clip to feature a soundcast that has a Patreon account. And here's a little information from it. The Ralph Report is a new way of bringing you my take on the current events of the day. Newsmakers, heartbreakers, showbiz fakers. We'll talk about all of them here together on the Ralph Report. I'll also be doing special in-the-field reports, sitting down with some of my friends for interviews, doing some TV and movie reviews, and even making some fun video reports. The Ralph Report will be coming at you five days a week, Monday through Friday, on Patreon. Patreon is a platform that lets me connect directly with you, the fan, and give you all that you've loved about me on the airwaves. Plus, it gives me the opportunity to treat you to new exclusive stuff you won't be able to get anywhere else. Subscriptions for The Ralph Report come in several tiers, beginning at just $3 a month, and that's content five days a week. Be sure to take a look and see which one grabs you. And as always, a big thank you to you, the ever-loyal members of the Garmy, for your endless support. So you can go to https colon forward slash forward slash The Ralph Report, T-H-E-R-A-L-P-H-R-E-P-O-R-T dot com to find that link, and you can listen to the Monday editions on iTunes, SoundClouds, Player FM, and Podbay. And you can reach out to Mr. Garman on Twitter at Ralph Garman, R-A-L-P-H-G-A-R-M-A-N. Hello, friends. Bill Haywatt here for Henderson's Massageopedic Trousers. You know, after a hard day of announcing here at Studio P, there's nothing I like more than to come home to a refreshing interlude with my Henderson's Massageopedic Trousers. Henderson's Massageopedic Trousers are perfect for men and women who, like me, have a job that requires spending long hours on your feet or on your knees. Henderson's Massageopedic Trousers gently massage and stimulate even those hard-to-reach places, providing comfort and release to thighs, calves, ankles, buttocks, and crotchal areas, even as you eat. If you're like me, after an hour or two with Henderson's Massageopedic Trousers, you'll be raring to go and ready for more. And when you start your day with Henderson's Massageopedic Trousers, you're always sure to end it with a happy ending. Henderson's Massageopedic Trousers, made with pride by the same fine folks who brought you the functional breakaway trousers and the ever-so-stylish turtleneck slacks. And they're made with the same fabric that covers official U.S. government restraining tables the world over. 
Henderson's Massagepedic Trousers, available online and wherever fine pantaloons are sold. And now, back to more of Suckatash. In the number five position, the show, Ari Shafir's Skeptic Tank from the All Things Comedy Network. One of two soundcasts from the All Things Comedy Network on this episode. This clip is from number 295, Low School, with Adam Egit. Now, Adam Egit currently runs the Comedy Store, owned by Mitzi Shore. For those of you who don't know, the Comedy Store is a comedy club located in West Hollywood, California, at 8433 Sunset Boulevard on the Sunset Strip. I've enjoyed Mr. Egit playing sidekick to Norm MacDonald on his interview program, Norm MacDonald Live, on YouTube. Also, in any episode of Bert Kreischer's frequently clipped for Succotash Soundcast, Bertcast, whenever Mr. Egit's name comes up, it is always in glowing terms. This episode was released June 21st, 2017, and uh, here's the description. Adam Egit met me at the comedy store to talk about Sea-Doo, a crazy bad kid school his parents shipped him off to because he was a spaz. It's amazing what people got away with 20-plus years ago. The amount of mistreatment and abuse and murder would never fly now. Sorry for the echoey sound. I didn't realize how hollow that room we recorded in would sound. Listen for the intro and outro for interesting American killers stories. Uh, he's not kidding either. I think I managed to find a great chunk that is indicative of the two-plus hours of this episode of Ari Severe Skeptic Tank. So I was like, oh, this it's going to be this for two and a half years? They were just like, we're, we're getting you later? We're getting it, you I, I don't understand. They left you for how long there? No, that was it. That was after I said fuck you to my parents and they left. And, and they were like, two and a half oh, years? it's three o'clock. And then you're just going to be there for years? For two and a half years, yeah. You go through... Um, Do you go home for the summers? Group. No. You got, I went home twice uh, for a week each. Yeah. Wow. Two home visits. And then you call your... You can talk to your parents once a week. But you had a... After about two months. Fuck you, might have gotten in the yeah, way. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they, they would monitor the calls. Like, you couldn't tell them, like, what was happening up there. Um, was there any abuse? You saw? Like physical? Like, I think Sexual there were kids physical. getting molested. There were? Yeah, there was definitely. And then By I found out counselors? years later. Counselors? I found out years later, oh, um, no. there was a guy who worked up there um, while I was there and uh, ended up, they found out later, uh, this was about five years ago, I read that this guy was a serial killer. And he killed what? like four kids there. He raped and killed them. He admitted to it because we were like, "What kids would go missing every few, every two or three months?" I ran away. People would run away, and a, a lot of times, what would happen is a few days later, they'd they'd come back. Someone would find them and bring them back. Yeah, and they like hitchhiked down the mountain and made it to wherever they tried to get home or they tried what? to run away. But sometimes they never came back, and the stu- and the teachers would be like, either they would tell us that their their parents pulled them out. Or you just never heard from them again. And a lot of times the school was on that big, it was on the side of a mountain. So we thought like you could either hitchhike and go down the road, but there was a chance that you would be seen and caught. So a lot of kids would, would escape down the backside. But it was dangerous. It was real steep. And so we thought a lot of kids that never came back, if we never heard about them, that they, died, they went down the backside and just got lost or wow. hurt and died. But it was this guy raping but and throwing them off. He killed four, yeah, three or four of them. Did he chuck them off or did he stab no, them? No, he raped them and killed them and buried them. Wow. Yeah. It was fucking crazy. And he's like, who's going to find out for a while? Yeah, exactly. His kids are escaped. Kids are running away all the time, so it was perfect. Do you know about the guy. Orthodox Jewish killing? No. This kid, I mean, this Hasidic Jew. Yeah. Uh, family in um, in um, Brooklyn or something, yeah, like in a Jewish community, sure, Hasidic like Crown community. Heights or something, yeah, where they're like nobody really drives in these streets on yeah. Saturday, right? You know, um, they let the, their son walk to school for the first time by himself. Okay. Like you're old enough, you're 11 now, whatever the age, you know, where it's like we trust you. This is, we showed you the route. We've walked with you 50 times. Sure, you know, it's time for you to go by yourself. Yeah, and he went. He got a little nervous and turned around, and he's like, "Oh, which way is it? Was it left or was it right here?" And he didn't know. And he went and he he, he saw a familiar face, saw another Hasidic Jew, and he went up to him. He's like, "Hey, um, I'm I'm lost. Can you tell me which way?" And he went to like the one monster in the Hasidic Jewish community, <sighs> and he brought. He was like, "Yeah, I'll help you." And he brought him home and he chopped the sh- chopped him up. Oh my god! Yeah. And then the police were just like canvassing later. They couldn't find the kids. Like, we want to know if you've seen them or anything. They knocked on his door. Like, hey, we just want to know. It's like, oh, yeah, come, come with me. And they just, he just brought him to the freezer. He told on himself? I think he thought that they were there not to canvas, but to like say, like, 
you know, we know. He's like, yeah, come on, I'll show you. This kid was like, I know I can trust a fucking other Hasidic oh Jew. Oh, my God. I never heard about this. When yeah. was this? Within three to nine years ago. Oh, my God. I mean, recent. Holy shit. I never heard about it. Did he kill anybody else? I think just the one. Maybe more. I don't oh, know. Wow. I got to do some research. Yeah, I got to fucking outro. find out about this guy. Uh, in the outro. That's we'll talk about serial killers yeah. in the outro, outro. Holy shit. Um, uh, okay, so forget that guy. But so then, but for you guys, because you didn't get molested or... No. Did you? Okay. No. I sound all disappointed. No. I was still fathom at the time. I don't think oh, I was... Who would want, who would want yeah. to... Uh, yeah, who want to touch this fucking guy? Fathom. I lost a lot of weight there, though. Yeah, because you had to run. That's why I ran away the first time. Because you had to do these two and a half mile runs to prep for the wilderness trips. What were the wilderness trips? So one was seven days in Joshua Tree and one was 14 days in Joshua Wait. Tree. So you've been to Joshua Tree when you grew up? Well, just at the school, yeah. That was the only two times. Four I days went. in Joshua Tree and seven days in Joshua Five Tree? Five days and 14. To do what? 14 days in Joshua Tree? 14 days, yeah. In, the what? in what time of year? Uh, summer. So what would you do daytime? Um, you'd hike. It wasn't in, in like the fucking 120 degree like, heat. It was like the end of summer, so it was like. But there was a mid, couple mid days when it was so hot. There was one day we just had to dig a ditch. It was too hot and stay in the ditch. Yeah, you could find our Shafir Skeptic Tank on iTunes, Podtail, and Player FM, and Laughable, I believe. Let's check that out. All right, let's see. Gotta go to my Laughable app. Booting up Laughable. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, I'm going to go on Laughable and look for Ari Shafir. Uh, done. Ah, yes, Ari Shafir's Skeptic Tank is available on the Laughable app. Here's an interesting tidbit. So one of the reasons why I like the Laughable app is that um, it, it not only has uh, information on the comedian or the artist, it also has, uh, it mentions other soundcasts that they've been on. So for example, Ari Shafir has been on uh, the Stephen Brody Stevens Festival of Friendship, which has been clipped on this program. The Duncan Trussell Family Hour, a couple of times, also clipped on this program. And uh, let's see. Oh, well, there's Pete Holmes. You made it weird. And oh, very nice. Okay. So you can you can visit his home site at www.arithegreat.com. That's A-R-I-T-H-E-G-R-E-A-T. So our last soundcast clip offering for the night is from one that I'm looking at right now on Laughable, and it is Tom Rhodes Radio Smart Camp. And it's also on the All Things Comedy Network. The show has been on iTunes since March 16, 2011. And its iTunes description reads as follows. Tom Rhodes Radio Smart Camp is a festival of ideas, knowledge, stories, books, and adventures. I've been a comedian for more than 30 years. I travel the world doing comedy. I almost drowned in Thailand, got maced in Paris, and had my own late-night talk show in the Netherlands. Whenever I can, I will share my adventures and knowledge nuggets with you on this Tom Rhodes Radio Smart Camp podcast. Become a patron of the podcast and get exclusive goodies. That's right, they have a Patreon. We'll be getting to that after the clip. Episode 246, Charlie Chaplin, from January 12, 2018, is the one I chose to uh, clip where Mr. Rhodes reads from the autobiography of Charlie Chaplin, a book of which I have read myself at least once. Okay, page 335. I remember Mr. and Mrs. Churchill lunching at Quaglino's restaurant. Winston sat looking boyishly disgruntled. I went over to their table to greet them. You look as though you have swallowed the weight of the world, I said, smilingly. He said he had just come from a debate in the House of Commons and did not like what was being discussed about Germany. I made an airy comment, but he shook his head. Oh, no, it's very serious. Very serious indeed. Um, so he had made friends with Winston Churchill, and this is war with Germany for the Second World War. I, I met Gandhi shortly after my stay w with Churchill. Blah, blah. Apparently, he got the idea from modern times and man's war uh, with machinery from a speech that Gandhi had made. Okay, so then he makes The Great Dictator, where he makes fun of Adolf Hitler. La, 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 la. Okay, so here we go. No, it's okay if there's a pause. We're at the two-hour mark now. The audience knows that I need to have a drink of water and clear my throat. Okay, so we're mirroring the completion, ladies and gentlemen. 
Uh, Charlie Chaplin, no patriot. The front page of this newspaper. Yeah, that is true. But at the time, I did not want my private views aired in the press. The fact is, I am no patriot. Not for moral or intellectual reasons alone, but because I have no feeling for it. How can one tolerate patriotism when six million Jews were murdered in its name? Some might say that was in Germany. Nevertheless, these murderous cells lie dormant in every nation. I cannot vociferate about national pride. If one is steeped in family tradition, home and garden, and happy childhood, family and friends, I can understand this feeling. But I have not that background. But at best, patriotism to me is nurtured in local habits. Horse racing, hunting, Yorkshire pudding, American hamburgers, and Coca-Cola. But today, such native yams have become worldwide. Naturally, if the country in which I lived were to be invaded, like most of us, I believe I would be capable of an act of supreme sacrifice. I am incapable of a fervent love of homeland, for it has only to turn Nazi and would leave it without compunction. And from what I have observed, the cells of Nazism, although dormant at the moment, can be activated very quickly in every country. Therefore, I do not wish to make any sacrifice for a political cause unless I personally believe in it. I am no martyr for nationalism. Neither do I wish to die for a president, a prime minister, or a dictator. Wow. Uh, the fact that he said Nazism can be activated very quickly in every country. Wow. I mean, and we saw that Nazi storm last year in the United States. All righty. So you can hear more episodes at Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud. You can go to his Libsyn site, which is trr.libsyn.com. Or, of course, you can visit his Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash T-O-M-R-H-O-D-E-S-R-A-D-I-O-S-M-A-R-T-C-A-M-P. Mr. Rhodes was very recently a guest on episode 441 of the Soundcast Your Mom's House which dropped March 27th, 2018. You might recall that Your Mom's House, hosted by comedians Tom Segur and Christina Pajitsky, is a soundcast I clipped for my maiden voyage of Succotash, also known as Epi 164. Well, it looks like we're closing it out today with our second bursted durst from March 23rd, 2018, called The Rites of Spring, in which our intrepid correspondent conflates and confuses a couple of spring traditions. Hey guys, Will Durst here with a few choice words about Easter the most peculiar of the religious holidays. For instance, it's the only pink and lavender one. Also, no other holiday shares an obsession with hard-boiled eggs and chocolate bunnies and jelly beans and plastic grass. It traditionally falls on the Sunday after the first full moon following the vernal equinox. But it goes back, back, back to pagan celebrations, paying homage to a lady named Esther, who danced to honor the beginning of the season of fertility and hung out with bunnies, which also sort of explains the egg connection. Not really, kind of. But for many of us, this spring festival is all about the resurrection, when Christ comes out of the cave, sees his shadow, and baseball season starts. Forget about your robins and your cherry blossoms and those spongy yellow marshmallow peeps that taste like how pussy willows look. It's the first crack of the bat in a regular season game. That's the true harbinger that spring has sprung. Winter doesn't really expire until a clean white sphere with red stitches is thrown 60 feet and 6 inches in anger. Because when they say, wait till next year, this is what they're talking about. And every team is born anew with the theoretical chance to win it all. To beat the 29 other teams. To hoist a trophy and and spray champagne into each other's eyes in a thoughtless waste of perfectly good sparkling wine. Everybody has a chance. 
except the San Francisco Giants, who are on pace to be mathematically eliminated by the summer solstice. But until then, let us feast on hot dogs and drink incredibly expensive beer and raise our expectations to the rafters, along with our voices singing the hymn, Take Me Out to the Ball Game, because this is that magical time when hope springs eternal. Play ball! For Succotash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast, I'm Will Durst. You can go to Facebook for Will Durst's fan page. You can go to willdurst.com for his dates and deets. And you can go to Twitter, at Will Durst, W-I-L-L-D-U-R-S-T, if you want to keep up with him. Well, that about does it. Thank you for joining me this week. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your listening. I appreciate the devices that you use to listen to me on. I even appreciate that you might have an iPod that you still listen to soundcasts on and still call them podcasts. Perfect. Fine. Really, you can call them whatever you want to. It's not an order. It's a suggestion. It's an idea. It's uh, about the medium growing beyond the box that it started in. It's about soundcasters not being Schrodinger's cats. Whatever that means. So until next time, be decent to each other. And please remember to pass the succotash. You've been listening to Suckatash Clips, the comedy soundcast soundcast with your host, Tyson Saner. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuckatashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher Smart Radio, on SoundCloud, on YouTube, on Donder, on Blitzen, on iHeartRadio, and on... <laughs> a laughable app. You can hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Suckatash Show. Email us at TysonSaner at SuckatashShow.com. Or call into the Suckatash hotline at our toll call number, 818-921-7212. That number again is 818-921-7212. You can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcasts directly to us by using our direct upload link at itail.com slash u slash Suckatash. Production of Suckatash is overseen by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, hosted by Tyson Saner. Our executive producer is Mark Hershon. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Turges. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the Suckatash. Goodbye. Goodbye.